Welcome to Money Memoirs, a taboo-breaking interview series sharing intimately uncensored conversations about money. I am Barry Tesler, a financial therapist, author, and creator of The Art of Money, my year-long money school and global community. Join me as I connect with brave folks from all walks of life to explore their experiences with money from their greatest struggles to triumphant celebrations, to lessons learned, and unexpected discoveries along the way. These interviews are raw, heartfelt money stories. They're vulnerable, inspiring, and always authentic. These interviews are a snapshot of the personal connection and practical support you'll find in my year-long money school, The Art of Money. The Art of Money is a holistic framework that integrates money healing, money practices, and money maps. And it blends together therapeutic body-based practices with so many real life tools that you need to create healthy, sustainable change in your money life. If you'd like to learn more, head to barrytesler.com. For now, get comfy and cozy for another intimately uncensored money memoir. Today I'm talking with Jennifer Lee, who is the author of The Right Brain Business Plan and a business coach for creatives. You can learn more about Jennifer on my site. I am so honored to have you on my show, on my Money Memoir series today, Jennifer. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you. It's an honor to be here with you. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. So before we dive into the Money Memoir questions, I, lo- I would love if you would start us off with a snapshot of your family, work, life right now to start us off. So a little bit about me and my family and work. Um, I've been married to my husband, Brian, for 15 years. We've been together for a total of 22. We met in college. And we live in the Bay Area with our sweet dog, Kaya, who's um, a really beautiful Husky Lab mix. And for my work, I've been coaching since 2003. Um, Left my corporate job back in 2006 to do my business full-time. And I love working with right-brainers and creatives to help them bring their big visions to life in their creative lives and creative businesses. And I do that through using processes from my two books, Building Your Business the Right Brain Way and The Right Brain Business Plan, and other creative processes that help people tap into their intuition. So my first question to you is, what is the main emotion that comes up for you around money? So sometimes people have a cocktail of emotions or a similar pattern. What would you say is one of the main emotion or emotions that come up whenever you go to deal with money or think about money or have money conversations? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I don't drink, so I wouldn't say a cocktail mix, but <laughs> definitely like a palette of lots of different colors. <laughs> So plenty I've spoken from an artist. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, so, you know, sometimes there's excitement. Um, you know, sometimes there's fear. Um, so it's kind of that mix of both. And I think, yeah, 
I think what's great is it's now not just fear. <laughs> so that's okay. a good thing. In the past, that was one. That was the main. Uh, that was you know, predominant. fear. I think I had also um, some, like not wanting to think about it, the burying the head in the sand, um, avoidance maybe, mm-hmm. um, for a number of different reasons, and we can get into that as yeah. well. But um, so tell yeah, me a little bit about what you get excited about, or what you get afraid about, and where you stick your head in the sand. Oh sure. So you want me to talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So what I get excited about, um, well, when I am able to like earn income by sharing my gifts, like that's pretty cool. When I get yeah, to do that. Very cool. Yeah. Um, the other thing I get excited about is spending money. <laughs> uh huh. Um, and what kind of things? Just spending in general, or? Um. Well, you know, I do have a soft spot when I go into anthropology <laughs> and finding fun things there, which sometimes I probably shouldn't be doing, but I enjoy it. So clothing um, for you. Clothing for is you. one thing, just because it's like a creative expression style. Um, mm-hmm. Also, things for my home. Uh, I've been focusing more on my home. So earlier this year, I was able to get the sectional couch and that was like something on my list that I'd really been wanting to have, like something um, really to create a cozy space in the house. And of course, it's a bigger ticket item. I found a really great deal, but I was prepared to spend, you know, I'd saved some money for that. Uh, so that was really exciting. And now like that, the house feels more complete, which is great. Um, fear, you know, the fear of not having enough um, or not knowing what I'm doing with the money, like am I being smart with it? Um, fear that I worry about it too much. All sorts of things like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then burying my head in the sand. You know, it's funny because I think that actually happened a lot when I was in my corporate job because I didn't have to worry about it. You know? Because there was a certain amount coming in. Yeah, exactly. I knew. I knew, um, especially before we bought our first house, because it was just money was just accumulating. You know, um, so I didn't really have to think about it. And at the time, I worked at um, Gap Inc. Gap Corporate, and I had this discount card. And I would like walk into a Banana Republic and be like, I can buy anything in the store because I get fifty percent off. Like I just didn't worry about it. You know. I didn't throw away my statements. I did look at my statements. <laughs> well, good. I used to throw my. Away I, my I know. And so, you know, <laughs> know. so there's that. <laughs> there's um, that. So there's yeah. sticking in your sticking your head in the sand in other ways. Okay? Yeah, exactly. There was a lot of money, a nice amount of money coming. A nice amount. Yeah, it wasn't okay. rolling. A nice though, amount of just, money coming in. Yeah. Yeah. And so I didn't have to like worry about it. Then when I quit my job, I was like, oh, I need to be paying more attention to this. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, so there's a healthy amount of paying attention and there's a healthy amount of things are fine and they're taken care of and we trust it, right? Yeah. And yeah. what's the right balance and equation of all of that? Absolutely. So it's not a cocktail, but it's a palette. It's a palette of excitement in this area, fear, and sticking your head in the sand from the past. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And they all come up still? They all come up and do you welcome them? Do you push them away? Do you... Do you feel like one day you're just going to not have any emotions around this area of life? Um, yeah, they still come up. Yeah? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. 
Um, and I and think, how do you, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I think now I try and practice more self-compassion around it. Okay. okay. Um, yeah. Yeah, so give me one example of how you work with one of these emotions as it comes up. Hmm. Yeah, let's see. I mean, I think I still can bury my head in the sand sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, so just recently, like, you know, we're starting to plan out for 2017, and I know it's probably going to look a lot different because things have been different. I've scaled back certain things. I've let go of certain offers. And it's kind of like looking at 2017 a little bit more of a blank slate. So that's kind of been looming, and so I've been burying my head in the sand of like, yeah, I need to deal with what does that look like? Um, so showing myself compassion, and then also just sitting my butt down and opening up the goddamn spreadsheet, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and because I know from experience having done this, like, okay, I know it's the painful part of, it's the not knowing that's more painful than actually sitting down and plugging things in, looking at past things, you know, dreaming up new stuff. And then just seeing how it all might work out um, and then knowing, okay, so that means I might need to make some changes here. Um, I've been talking to my business manager about restructuring some things so that I'm able to use hours better um, and things like that. So it's like noticing, okay, I'm avoiding something, showing myself some compassion for it because, yeah, it's scary not knowing, especially when I've had like, pretty consistent, like, here are the main pillars of income. Um, Just rinse and repeat, right? I'm not looking Mm -hmm. at that anymore. I want to kind of look at how can this be different? How can I make this work in my new focus? Um, And so taking the time to actually sit down and do that. So I did that, um, I think, last week, and that felt better. It still needs to be tweaked, of course, Um, but just that initial sitting down and starting to dig into it has helped move past that. Okay, so you're in a phase that I would call a transition phase where yes. you're mm-hmm. not doing, yeah, and I hear there's more to it. Well, I would love to get to, into yeah. that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, because the rinse and repeat works. It can work for a while. Right. And then either life happens, something big, either we decide we want to go down a different road completely, you know, our whole inner world is like calling to us, say, you know, asking us to go down a different road, or life happens. Right. Um, all, all sorts of big life things can happen. So, what's been the impetus, impetus, impetus for? <laughs> yeah, whatever that word is, impetus for, for um, taking yourself down a different road here. What's been going on behind the scenes? Yeah. So, one of the things that started happening, well, it's been a few years now. Probably 2000, at the end of 2012 beginning of 2013, I started to have, like, really bad joint pain Mm. and discovered that I have, like, an autoimmune, undifferentiated autoimmune disorder. And so I have, like, inflammation. And, you know, I had done Creative Live, I think that was in 2013. That's three days of being on my feet. The whole time, I was, like, my whole body was in pain. And... My whole mode was just push through it. Great opportunity, like I'm in this growth phase, push, push, push. So even 2013, 2014, when my second book came out, um, I had gotten it under control a little bit through medication, but still being really tired. Um, So I knew that 
something needed to change because I couldn't keep pushing myself and traveling and doing all of that. It just wasn't worth it. Like, yeah, I had reached, you know, a certain milestone. Like, I wanted to multiple six figures, all of that, and that happened. Um, and it's like, okay, at the expense of what? Like, my health. <laughs> so that right. wasn't that wasn't good. So in 2015, uh, I think that was the last year I did my video summit because halfway through I had, like, a, a flare-up and I was really tired. I'm like, crap, I have to, like, be on live on for video. another week. Yeah, yeah on video. Yeah, video. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, this isn't going to work for me anymore. Um, and so that really shifted things, you know, saying goodbye to that. And so this 2016, um, that was the first year without it. And so okay. that, you know, is a really big funnel into the rest of my program. So definitely saw a shift in that. Um, but knowing, yeah, that was the right decision for me because the thought of having to do that again just was not worth it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so having kind of the health thing come up and wanting to spend more time, like we moved into a new home in at the end of 2013, so 2014, and being really excited about that, like with our old home, I had quit my job. But we bought it in 2003, and I quit my job in 2006. And we had spent, you know, all our savings to get the house. And so we didn't take care of the house. Just the roof was, like, falling apart, and weeds were on the front lawn. When we came to this house, we're like, we're going to take care of it and focus on it. Because so I'd been really focused on the business. And so that also was another shift of, like, okay, health, home, and happiness were kind of the the new focus. Um yeah, so that's kind of what's been going on, what's kind of the impetus for the shift. And I really related when I read your book, The Art of Money, and you had talked about having a shift in your business um, when you had your son, right, and yeah. having to scale back. So I really appreciated hearing your story about that because it's been kind of an interesting transition having been so focused on growth, Um and then knowing that, okay, it's actually okay to make a shift, you know. Well, you know, there's, as we both know, there's such a myth, you know, in the coaching world, therapy world, online business world, creative entrepreneurship, that you're always supposed to be growing. Yeah, always year. have to be more and more and more, bigger, yeah. better. Yeah, yeah, like you've hit multiple six figures. Okay, great. So now you hit mid six figures, and now you hit. Now you get closer to a million, blah, 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 a million, yeah. and right, and you just keep going, right? You yeah. keep breaking through those money ceilings, right? And you that was the path that I thought I was on, okay. and no, that was. Okay. And then I've made it very clear to myself, like, no, that doesn't need to be how it is, or at least not right now. You know? Right. Yeah. So right. it also so, gives me permission to be like, at this phase right now, focusing on the health, and maybe that's gonna, you know. Um, stabilize more and all of that and then I might have more energy for going all out like I'm not putting I'm not saying like oh never I also know more what goes into that you know in terms of since I've got to a certain level I'm like okay that's what it takes hmm I don't know if I necessarily want to do that or find a way to do it differently and that's what these transitions call for. You know, mm-hmm. they they call for us to simplify for a while and then decide do we want to grow again but in a different way than exactly. ever before. Exactly. You know, so that's what, where I am. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. So for you, I mean it you know, it could be an illness, it could be health recovery stuff like you, similar to me too, after my son's birth, big recovery. 
it could be a grief period. There's so many different versions of mm-hmm. what creates a transition phase in our lives. Right. So will you share a little bit more about the money behind the scenes of that? Because we 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 forget somehow as humans that transitions are just part of life. If we have the honor of having a long life, we're going to have, again, life transitions or life moments that happen to us. We can create so much, and then life happens too, right? right. Or bodies, you know, start breaking down and need some mm-hmm. more care. So did you guys have to simplify? How were you able to do self-care? How did you ne- negotiate that? I know that's always a big thing. How do people pay for self-care and, you know, how do they work that out? Mm-hmm. So what did you have to shift? Yeah, I had to shift things around the team. I started to actually take on some more things in terms of managing expenses. Um, and you also mean you took on more of the, t- the to-do stuff, more of the action sometimes, steps? Sometimes, yeah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. During certain parts, like, okay, I need to not delegate this because I can actually get it done faster and it won't cost me. And I know that's, you know, a tricky line to um, balance, too, because I, I also want to take care of my health and not work so much. But then overall, if there's less coming in, I also need to kind of balance that out. So there was some of that. Um, I also have a really big chunk of savings in the business. Okay. Okay. Um, so that has been, uh, you know, it's like, okay, Cash flow month by month may be tighter, but there's actually a reserve of money, um, which has been great, and I haven't actually had to dip into it. So um, that's been helpful. Um, you know, I'm also in a fortunate position where I'm not like by myself. I have a husband, and okay. he uh, started working at Facebook in 2015. That was, yeah. Um, he had been at various startups um, all through his career, uh, so it's actually been really nice to have. Uh, it's his first time like at a big company. Um, I had always been the one, you know, with the healthcare and all of that when I was in my corporate jobs. Um, so he, you know, I have that through him, and so there's also been the lesson of can I receive. Right, I'm so used to like, okay, I want, I make my own money, <laughs> you know. Like, and at certain points in our relationship, we've been together, hmm, I think over, I think 20 years, something like that. Mm, um, that's a long time. It's a long time. <laughs> yeah, and you know, for a good part of it, like, oh, I'm making more money than you. Like, I had this whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's me and my husband call that, okay, what? we have a playful um, competition behind the mm. scenes of who's making more, right. you know, and, and other from the outside people would say, that doesn't sound so healthy, but it was actually very healthy for us. So oh, was that fun and healthy for you, or did that, did it No, like, like my husband okay. could care less. He's like, I don't care. <laughs> you can make mm-hmm. more than me. So it's like my own thing. Uh, so yeah, it's not it's not especially healthy. Um, well, tell me what yeah. So tell me more about that because it sounds like it has been important for you to make your own money as a woman. Right. So tell me more about why or what that's felt like. Yeah. What? How has that driven you? Um. Yeah, I think it was a lot of the um, ambition of wanting to. I mean, I think that's always been there in terms of just ambition in general. 
um, even before I was, you know, working just in school and all that, wanting to excel. Um, and I don't quite know where that's from. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know in terms of growing up or I mean, anything like that. But Yeah, there wasn't one day where you just said, I need to make my own money. I need to be independent. Yeah, like I don't have like a specific instance. Some people have like somebody told them that or like something happened. Yeah. I don't have anything like that, but I think it's just I'm kind of like a just independent, independent kind of free spirit person, want to be different. You know, we're fours, Enneagram fours. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. I know you're one too. So it's kind of that, yeah, I want to be independent. Yes. So I think so money is part of that. Making your own money is part of that autonomy yeah. or independence. Okay. Exactly, yeah. So um, go ahead, go ahead. One other thing that I can think of growing up, like my mom would say to me, you know, because I used to like to go shopping, and if there was maybe in a spree top that I wanted but it wasn't on sale and she wouldn't get it for me, and then she would say, um, well, when you make your own money, you can get whatever you want. <laughs> So I think that, say that to you. Okay. I so that was that, a driver for you was clothing and self-expression. That self-expression again. Yeah, and just in general, I mean, not just clothing, but just oh, I can get what I want. I don't have to like have it go through somebody else or approve it, approve the expense. You know, there were okay. like trips that I wanted to take in school. You know, my parents didn't want to pay for it stuff like that, you know, oh, well, if I'm making my own money, then I can just go and do it. Okay, so from an uh, an early age, they were saying, okay, we're going to pay for some things, but these extra things, whatever that line was there, if you want it, you need to pay for it. Mm -hmm. And you took it upon yourself to say, okay. Yeah, well, I didn't then, like, I didn't go get a job and, like, babysit people or mow lawns. I didn't do that. But as an adult, yeah. So what what has it been like to have, it sounds like you've been making more money and very happy with that than, than your husband, and then there's a shift, and there's a shift in your health and the level of care, self-care that you need, and mm-hmm. the downtime and the rest time. So what has that been like to, it sounds like, I know you're still a dual income household, but it sounds like he's making more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What is that like? What is that like for you? What does that feel like? It's definitely like there's a relief, um, which is really nice because there was, um, yeah, like a time where we actually had some back taxes that we messed up on our personal income tax. We had to like pay, when was that? I think 2014. Uh, Just had, you know, a lot to pay back, which was unexpected. And so there was like this time of just, things are tight and so to have this kind of ah like we can breathe again is really nice um again not like oh we're rolling in dough but it's just that worry isn't there even with me making less so yeah yeah so it's this um yeah, the lesson of just receiving and i have friends who are like god you know just receive it because there's parts of me that's still like oh can't even believe I'm sharing this with you, Barry, because it's so, it's like the whole thing of, oh, that's not my identity, you know? Okay. Um, yeah. Because, right, you are this independent, free-spirited woman who 
can do her own thing and take care of herself, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And so to be receiving is still, even in this moment, you can feel it still feels, I can't believe I'm sharing this with you and publicly. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm. So how do you work with that? Your friends are just saying, just receive, just let it in. <laughs> Jennifer, <laughs> just, let, just let it in, you know. So how are you actively working on it? Do you sit in moments in nature and go, okay, <laughs> I'm going to let this in more. I'm going to receive. You know, do you want to push it away? Do you want to get mad at it? Do you want to, like, what's in this health recovery time for you? Um. I've been doing a lot more focusing on, like, spiritual stuff. So I just finished a meditation teacher training. Mm -hmm. And so part of it is just noticing that that's there and then, you know, letting it go. Like, okay, I don't need to, like, do all the mental kind of dissecting it and analyzing it because that just will suck the energy. And it's, like, actually just receive and let that be let that wash over me um spending more time feeling gratitude and definitely sitting on the cushion creates a lot more space for that you know if i'm sitting um on my cushion i'm in my bedroom and i love my bedroom it's like really peaceful and comfortable and that's part of the whole house thing and focusing on that so it's just really taking that all in and creating space for allowing myself to take that in. Beautiful. So it's certainly getting out of your mind, right, and trying to figure it out or letting it in that way. Mm -hmm. And it's about sitting and in meditation for you, letting it wash over you through feeling just gratitude and appreciation for where Mm -hmm. you are. That's how it's coming in, okay? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's how you're letting it letting it sink in more and more and more. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Hmm. Does that feel like a big lesson for you or one of those hard ones? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yep. Hmm. I get it. You know, we all just, like, get stuck or trip or in different places, and some people... Someone might say, that sounds so lovely, you know, and you're over there going, it is, <laughs> and it's really hard, and you've also created a whole identity around right. taking care of yourself and right. pushing through, you know, everything, everything. Mm. Yeah, just it feels so counterintuitive, and it's like, no, this is actually what I need to be learning right now. Let's go into another um, another story here, which is a little uh, off on a different tangent, which is, you know, if you were to share one of the most challenging money experiences you've had, or just a big one, it could be the taxes you were just talking about. Yeah, that's exactly yeah, Okay, okay. <laughs> that's what I was feeling as you were saying it. I'm like, how did this Ugh. happen and what was going on? And we all are surprised. We don't know everything. We're always learning and fine-tuning. So please share more about what happened there and how you were able to deal with it and overcome it. Oh, gosh. Yeah, I don't I don't remember the exact details, but I remember, like, hearing from the accountant, like, oh, you actually owe this, you know, 
tens of thousand dollars more from what you didn't pay. I'm like, what? It's because we did our own personal taxes and he was doing our business taxes. Okay. And had that uh, been how you always did it? Like, yes. You did? Okay, you did personal, he did business. Yes. And mm-hmm. that was one of the things we learned was actually have the accountant do both. <laughs> so okay. mm-hmm. After that, he helped us, you know, do um, refile and all of that and do it right. But, yeah, for so... I think it was in 2014 we had to, like, pay, um, you know, that amount of money. I think we did yeah. it in installments. Um, but it was you a shock payment to the plan. system. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. It might have been the quarterly payments. I can't remember. I know. I don't think we had to do it in one fell swoop. But, um, yeah, like I said, it was kind of a, wow, we were not expecting this. Um, fortunately, we had places to pull from um, so that we could pay it, but... Yeah, so one of the lessons was let's actually have it done right because we weren't doing it right, apparently, or that year we messed up on something. And I think the other part, um, in my business, I think I ended up letting – I had an online business manager because I was in this big – like, I'm going to keep growing. I already had already hit multiple six figures and all of that. And then – because we're pulling out money for paying the taxes, you know, the cash flow was tight at some parts, so ended up letting her go. Um, so that was one of the changes we made. After it, after you realized what you know, what you owed and mm-hmm. how much you right. needed to pay and all yeah. that. Yeah, well, and then talking to the accountant again, he's looking at my staff going, hmm, I think you need to make some changes here. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, getting help from an expert, yeah. outside perspective. Um, yep. Even though I kind of knew it already, um, it just became really clear. That's what needed to happen. So there's just simply a lot we don't know, right? You've heard me say this a million times. Like, we were not taught this. We were not given a financial education in grade school enough. Right. In small increments. It's amazing, right, on the practical, emotional, psychological, spiritual level. So there's so much we don't know. Mm-hmm. And we learn as we go, and we learn as we trip and make mistakes or, you mm-hmm. know, and so it sounds like you were doing a piece of your a piece of your taxes. The account was doing the other piece. He needed to see the whole picture, mm-hmm. and once he put the whole picture together, he realized you were going to owe. It sounds like you had a great year, and you were go- which is you know you were going to owe a lot more, which is shocking and that's and surprising, yeah. and yeah. that's never fun. It's never fun in life or in money, right? right? Of surprises, but we get them. Because Mm -hmm. we don't know everything, or we don't know how to read the fine print, or we don't know what questions to ask, right? Exactly, yeah. So when he set you down and and told you the amount, um, I'm glad you were able to work out a payment plan. You always can. We always can. We don't know this. We can call the IRS, and they're so happy we're calling them, and we work out a payment plan. And they're, they're usually so accommodating to us, right? So was that... Harder than you thought was that painful making working that out and calling them. What was because a lot of people are terrified of the IRS. Uh, well, we worked through like, the accountant, and I think it just mm. was through like the quarterly payments, something like that. Just okay, like, normal. Yeah, okay. we just had to pay the pay current more. year, <laughs> the past mm-hmm. year at the same time. I think is mm. what I remember. Yeah. Yeah. What do you feel was the biggest lesson? from that that you've taken forward 
Mm. Um, well, one of them was like, even if we're in a bind, we can be resourceful and figure stuff out, you know, in terms of like having to pay it, which is good. Um, and then also, you know, seeking the help when you need it and not trying to have to figure everything else out. You know, it's like I think we are trying to save money by not having him do our personal taxes, mm-hmm. obviously. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it ended up costing more. Yeah. So, yeah. But we don't know that until afterwards sometimes, you know. Yeah. That's, we try to do it ourselves, and sometimes that works. Um, mm-hmm. It worked up but, until then. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So even if you're in a bind, you can be creative and resourceful and seek out additional support. Right. Yeah. So even if you're up against a brick wall or even if you think, you know, you've been totally surprised and shocked mm-hmm. and that doesn't feel good, that there's mm-hmm. always there's always options and possibilities and you can be resourceful there. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. The other interesting thing was, you know, I had uh, found out like a couple of other people that I knew like were going through the same thing around the same time, like, okay, I'm not alone, you know, this you're happens. Not, yes. It happens way more than you could ever imagine, right? <laughs> if you got to, together a group of entrepreneurs, you know, this is what's happening, right? Mm-hmm. Is payment plans are happening or paying um, or filing for previous years at once or having conversations with the IRS and on and on and on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or being surprised. You know, I feel like everyone has, like, one big year where they, they are surprised. Uh, <laughs> In a really scary way, and it's way more than they ever imagined, whether it's the best year they've ever had, and that's why, you know, mm-hmm. or they weren't tucking away the money. And mm-hmm. then all of a sudden they realize what was not in place, what they need to get in place, and on and right. on and on. Yeah. And they do everything in their power to not have that happen again, right? Yeah. And they create a lot more habits that yes. weren't in place. Yeah, impressive. Exactly. I think one of the other things was, like, now we have accounts set aside where we put money in there for that, you know, right. versus just – you know, a tool from the savings or other places, so, okay. yeah. Or even, you know, we had one of those years, and now we have we have, a, we have more meetings with our accountants and more often mm-hmm. so that we're not surprised, and there's yeah. a lot more planning that's happening based on what's actually happening in the year. For, uh, are we really growing, and, you know, what is that? Mm-hmm. And do we have as much de- deductions as last year? Nope. <laughs> oh, boy, mm-hmm. okay. We've got to figure this out or reroute this. Yeah. yeah. Okay, okay. How do you feel about that, that now when you think about a retrospect? I'm glad that's done. Okay, <laughs> for I'm glad that's done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I think, like you said, it's you don't learn it until it happens. Right. So something like that is bound to happen, <laughs> you know. It, it is bound to happen for all yeah. of us, yeah. right, for all of us. Yes, 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 yes. So I would love to hear more about family of origin. And, you know, we all learn things from our parents, positively, negatively, conscious, unconscious. I'd love to hear um, just any stories or memories of growing up and what did each of your parents teach you. And then I'd love to – and then I we we talked about this before, and so I'm kind of like – So I'm really excited to share this part because we haven't done this before in previous interviews or money memoirs is I'd love to hear about your ethnicity and lineage. Mm -hmm. And I know you have some important stories, at least one, there's probably more to share about, you know, how that's impacted your money story and beliefs and how.
how that's playing out today. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I know that's a two-sided big question there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, big questions. Um, so in terms of family and growing up, well, I share that one um, message that I got from my mom about when, when you make your own money, you can buy whatever you want kind of statement. Um in terms of my dad, my dad is very frugal. Like he will wear the same pair of jeans until there are holes in the pocket and his underwear showing and my mom has to tell him to not wear them anymore. Mm-hmm. Um so And he's fine with that. Like he's happy, oh, yeah. he's fine, yeah. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want to spend money on new jeans. Um and he's still like that today. Um so I grew up thinking like that we had no money, that we were like destitute. And my brother, who is um, like almost ten years older than me, you know, he had more visibility into their finances because he, uh, I think, was doing their taxes. You know, when he was older, he has an um, account. You know, he can do accounting and all that. So he he would always tell me like they, it's not as dire as they make it seem. So I have, like, these weird mixed messages, like, growing up. It was probably, like, in high school when he would tell me things like that. Um, So it was confusing, you know. Mm -hmm. And even still now he tells me things like that. I'm like, well, they sure – because now my parents are – they've been retired, but they – I think it was a couple years ago they moved into a retirement community. And so that was the whole thing of selling the house and – you know, making sure they had enough money to be in this new place. And so still there was these messages like, oh, can we afford this new place? And my brother is telling me, like, they're fine. So I think that's part of where I have that conflict within myself of is there enough? Is there? Yes, there is. There isn't. Um, so I can sense a little bit of that mm-hmm. happening from that not knowing messaging growing up. Um well, it's also just the the energy too mm-hmm. that's in the household. Mm-hmm. Of, I mean, were they? Did they talk about it as though we don't have enough and we don't know if we will or we're afraid? Was there an energy of that that they were? Uh, not specifically. I mean, okay. Uh, probably just more not talking about it and me thinking they don't have it when I would ask for things or they would say, like, no, we're not going to pay for that or. Yeah, things like that. Um, or just, yeah, my dad being really cheap. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's another word for frugal, right? Cheap. Yeah. Uh-huh. Right? That's and that would drive more... my mom crazy, too. Okay. You know? <laughs> because, so it sounds like they're different. Is she more, so is she more, these are my words, like is she more willing to spend? Is she more generous? It sounds like. Yeah, although I would say she's still focused on like saving money or you know like she would want to get things on sale things like that but definitely in comparison to my dad more you know like nice things or want to have nice experiences um but certainly not extravagant like she's not big spender kind of thing Mm -hmm. but it sounds like your family's more middle class but you were never aware of that yeah Uh uh-huh okay yeah I mean, they. I don't know. Maybe they're even upper middle class. I don't know, Barry. <laughs> no, you don't know. And up until this day, it hasn't been okay for you to inquire uh-huh. about that with them. Or is there anything? I mean, it, sometimes in families, the parents teach the male 
of the males in the family about money, but not the girls, not the women. Yeah, I don't know if they necessarily taught my brother, but because my brother was doing things for them, like their taxes or helping them with investments or whatever, that's how he knew or knows. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I have no visibility into that. Okay, so there there are aren't open money conversations. It hasn't felt no. right or safe for you to go to your parents and ask them more directly. Correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is that I mean in, in most families it's we don't talk about this right mm-hmm. um, or we fight about this or it's fighting behind scenes or you're just really never supposed to talk about this ever right. mm-hmm. inside the family and sometimes we talk about it inside the family but not outside so it sounds mm-hmm. like there was just a lot where it wasn't spoken to right mm-hmm. yeah. yeah yeah and that's that's continued yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so you go through your brother you ask him questions about what's going on. Um, not like a regularly kind of thing. No, it was like when the retirement transition was happening. You know, he was like, don't, because my mom was like, I don't know if we can afford this place that we want to go to. And so I was worried about that. And then that's when my brother's like, they're fine. Like, don't worry about it. So it's more just like that. I'm not like asking every month, are they (laughs) they okay? But you you are asking. You want to know if they're okay, you know, and he's reassuring you that they actually have the money. Yeah. And they're going to be able to afford this. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Because what you're potentially moving into, it sounds like you're not, um, because finances are taken care of, is that sometimes it gets passed on to the children. Right, yeah. And that's happening more and more in our generation. Right? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So so please share with me more about your lineage and where your family came from and just a- anything of how you feel that has shaped mm-hmm. your relationship to money. Sure. So... Um, my mom's parents were born in Hawaii, and they're of Japanese descent. And my dad's parents, I know his mom was born, I think, in the Pacific Northwest, I think in Washington State, and she's of Japanese origin. And my dad's dad is Chinese, and I believe he was born in China, but I don't remember where. So for the most part, I'm third generation. Um, so one of the interesting things, of course, that happened in terms of my background, since my family is Japanese, during the war, World War II, um, my grandparents on my mom's side, um, they all were interned uh, during the war. And, you know, during that time, they had to, like, give up their houses, move to these camps. And fortunately, my grandfather, he was actually the first Japanese-American to work at the Department of Water and Power in Los Angeles. And one of his coworkers, I think, had volunteered to, like, take care of the house. So he actually, like, collect, he rented it out and collected the rent so that he could pay the mortgage for them. Mm-hmm. So when the war was over, um, they were really lucky to actually be able to go back to their their house. I mean, most families lost their home. Wow. So that yeah. was a really beautiful experience of having another person uh, support them and stand up for them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So as I was thinking about, you know, this story and kind of sharing where I'm at in terms of receiving, it's like, oh, <laughs> you know, it's okay to have other people help you. In fact, 
Wow, how powerful, right? Mm. Mm. That's a really beautiful insight. Mm-hmm. It's a really beautiful insight that lines up with your story now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and I hadn't really thought of that. Um, and, you know, just like with money in general, like we were talking about with my family, it's not like, you know, they talk about the war that much either. Um so it's just, you know, bits and pieces. And actually my grandfather was interviewed by the Department of Water and Power uh, several years later, like in the 90s. And so that's actually how I know all of this. It's because it's a transcript from him sharing with the Department of Water and Power uh, the okay. whole story. Mm-hmm. Okay. So he had meaningful work for him. Mm-hmm. And he had the, he was the first Japanese person to hold that position, right? Right, so that, yeah. And actually, he had to do some advocacy for himself when he retired because um, I think he was forced to take, uh, like, a leave during the war. So it affected his retirement where, like, those years weren't counted Hmm. toward his retirement. So he wasn't going to get whatever pension because it's, you know, working for the government. So he had to, like, petition and get... um, get it changed where those years were acknowledged because he was forced out of his position, you know. Wow. Yeah, so And that so he was that, able to get he mm-hmm. was able to get those years added in. Yes. Yeah. Wow, okay. Yeah. That's an incredible story. Yeah. I mean, that's that's an inc- so that's your grandfather. Mhm. That's your yep. grandfather. Yep. Um anything else that comes to you about I mean, I'm second generation. Third generation feels a little different over here, but I'm not in your shoes. Um, you know, do, do you feel like you're still living with some of the lineage or, or stories of what was possible, what's not, any positive or negative things that you feel you're still working through? Um, yeah, I don't feel like that was a huge, strong influence. I mean, a lot of it because it wasn't really talked about. Um mm. I mean, one of the other interesting things is my dad's dad, so my grandfather on that side, he was an entrepreneur. He actually owned um, a photo shop, physical (laughs) shop in Chinatown, you know, the kind where you would stick your head through those, like, cartoon things and you do the different poses. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. so he had a shop like that. In Chinatown in San In Chinatown in L.A. Okay. In In L.A. LA. Yeah. and so, so that's there in your was, blood. <laughs> yeah, but you. it. But I think it's like the reaction to it because I think he was kind of more flashy and would spend things. And I think like you know they were one of the first families on their block to get a TV. You know when TVs came out. So I think that's maybe why my dad's really frugal in response to that. You okay. Know, he has like the he had the. Um, you know, engineering career and all of that. Um, yes. So, yeah, so there's that, too, of, like, okay, entrepreneurship and, like, kind of the negative reaction to it, and so I have a little bit of that lineage as well. Um, so it's interesting that I work for myself, you know. Well, so what you're speaking of is genera- generationally sometimes we flip-flop, right? Yeah, or, right. you know, we rebel, we do the opposite. We're like, yeah. okay, they were they were entrepreneurs, they, they were spending, they were, yeah. you know, um, and I don't like that, or I'm going to do the opposite of that, or that 
was yep. hard for me in whatever way we translated yeah. that as kids, and then we do the opposite, right? right? Sometimes we do the total opposite. Sometimes we bail a little bit. Sometimes we take pieces from everyone, mm-hmm. and then do it, do it, do it in our own way. Mm-hmm. That sounds like that's the journey you're on. Is that yeah. you're getting pieces from everyone, but you're, you know, you worked in the corporate world for a long time, and then became an entrepreneur. You know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And now continue to fine tune that. Exactly. So a few more questions for you in your in your money memoir. Um, two more. One, I'd love to hear anything about couples' money and intimacy. So how do you guys do it? You know, do you do like some couples do money dates where one person is in control of everything, doing all the numbers and like getting the statements and running after the other person when they're in bed or in the shower and going, let's talk about this. You know, <laughs> I can't believe you spent this way. Obviously, that's one version. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, so w- give me a glimpse or give us a glimpse into how you guys do couples and money mm-hmm. together. Yeah. What that feels like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You've already shared some of that, certainly. Yeah. Um, well, it probably wouldn't be a surprise that, like, we keep it actually separate because mm-hmm. um, I like After to 20 have years. money. <laughs> I want to see, so that's, you know, I, I mean, I have couples that have been together 20 years that were separate for years and then finally merge. I have couples uh-huh. that were merged for years and they're having a rocky time in their marriage and they're kind of putting it on money. And so they say they need to separate and that's what mm. keeps them together. It, mm. It's the healthiest thing to do. Yeah. There's no right or wrong. It doesn't surprise yeah. me, but I, I wasn't thinking about that. So yeah. you guys, well, keep, you two keep things separate. We have separate checking accounts. I can still we can see each other's stuff though, like through our share, you know, when we log in. It's all transparent. Um, yeah, um, but we have our own accounts. Mhm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you can look at each other. Do you ever sit mm-hmm. down and talk about when, when you do the 2017 visioning? Does that happen separately and together? How does that happen? Um, for all of my business stuff, I handle all the finances for. And, don't we don't like do visioning about that um and only i mean i know it'd be great if we had like regular money dates and i do wish they would happen but they don't (laughs) well i mean that's real and honest yeah everyone i'm talking to is not like oh well we have money dates and we do this and we do this and we do we do yeah no i was like super jealous in your your, i was super jealous when i read that in your book i'm like well that's nice (laughs) (laughs) that we have money you know, we've had, you know, our money dates used to be fighting and swearing. Sometimes yeah. they still are. Sometimes yeah. they're very romantic. You know, they're all different. Yeah. But it's also so, a tool that I created and then had to live it. So that's why we practice them. Of and course. We them, you know. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so mostly we'll have more of those conversations if there's certain, like, decisions that we need to make or – um, you know, now that my parents are in a retirement home and then his parents, uh, you know, his mom like, fell down the stairs and so we're getting worried about them. So it's like, okay, that's starting to get us thinking more about longer term and retirement. What does that look like? So we're just starting to have conversations around that. Um, so it's more triggered by by decisions that need to be made or things that we're thinking of. It's not like a regular occurrence, you know, on the calendar. Mm-hmm. So 
big decisions about life and about mm-hmm. parents and aging. Right. Yep. Um, or like are, if we're going to have to buy a new car, you know, those kinds of things. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So what would – so it sounds like that goes well, but what would you want to be different? What would you want to have different? Um, I think both of us could probably do – better in that longer-term planning, especially because things were really tight, especially right when I quit my job. Um, you know, it wasn't, it was different, so then we weren't saving as much and all of that, so I think now that things are balancing out again, how do we be smarter about it? You know, not just about making ends meet, but what are the investments to be making? Things like that. Mm-hmm. So maybe adding one new financial support person to your team for a few meetings, you know, mm-hmm. about planning, or starting mm-hmm. to do them on your own first. You yeah, know, you don't that's what we're yeah. Okay, starting yeah. to do them on your own first. Yeah. So one last question to complete. So tell me more about what you are working on now with money. So, you know, I always say, and I think you said, you know, we're we're never done with this. It's an ongoing journey, lifelong journey. We're always finding to, we're always fine tuning and updating. So some years we're redoing our bookkeeping system, getting more support, trying to break through money ceilings, or realizing we need to simplify. What do you feel are some of your edges and you've named one which is receiving. Mm-hmm. Which are, Actively and beautifully working on. Mm-hmm. So receiving yes, is receiving. one of your growing edges. And what mm-hmm. else? What else? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think there's other part of like looking more long term because we haven't okay. done that in a while. Okay. That was more when we we when I had my corporate job and all that. So that's definitely an edge. Um, and not holding it so tightly. Like I think I'm still loosening the grip of more and more and more. I, it's like I still, I know that I've made the conscious choice not to do that, but then I'll still get hooked. Like, oh, I see somebody else is doing this, and, you know, that comparison thing. So it's still there. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the other place that I'm working too. So explain that a little bit more, or how does that feel? So you still are... are are gripping tightly to oh, uh, other people are growing and I, I need to be doing that too. There's a little, of, it, it's not like a super tight, like I'm not in the, okay, I need to like get on like I was really driven, you know, in the past few years. Yeah. Um, so I've let that go, but it's like I know it's not completely gone if I'm if I get hooked by something. Like I see, oh, so-and-so just hit a million or, you know, whatever. Right. Um, Right, yeah. it, it still gets you. It still, it still gets, gets for me. a second. Okay. Yes, yeah. Okay. Then I'm like, no, this is the choice I'm making now, mm. and it's fine for right now. Mm. So it sounds like this autoimmune, do you call it an illness? Do you call it an autoimmune? What do, you, what do you call it? What, what, what is it to you? Um. Issue autoimmune. I know that's probably a huge question, but yeah, I don't know. It's it's a real annoyance. Uh huh. Okay. So this, I'm not going to say that, but this autoimmune um, part of your health. 
right? Yeah, it's an issue. Out. I would call it an issue. And I don't like saying it's an okay. illness because yeah, I don't like that's myself ongoing as thing. ill. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, so autoimmune, this autoimmune issue, it sounds like it's changing you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's changing you. Yeah. How is it changing you in meaningful ways? Oh, it's definitely having me slow down um, and take care of myself more and realign priorities, right? Yeah. 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 And it sounds like you two are at uh, a different phase of this transition where you can start looking into the future a little bit more, Mm -hmm. which as a culture, Western culture, I'm realizing it's, it's hard for us to look into the future, Mm-hmm. Um, or to think about the future. I write about in the book a little bit as I'm thinking about past, present, and future, and mm-hmm. sometimes we just completely forget about it <laughs> yeah. in our money, in our planning, and then we realize, oh, it needs to, it needs to have equal representation or it needs, you know, it needs to have some percentage here. Exactly, because uh, I feel yeah. like the here and now I've gotten better at. I'm like, okay, okay. I, can, I know what's going on right now, mm-hmm. and now I need to be focusing on... Yeah, the future. Wonderful. Longer term, not just yeah. the year. Yeah. Okay, so more like three years, five years. Or, or retirement. Years yeah. And mm-hmm. retirement. Okay, mm-hmm. so so even five to 20, 25 years out. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. time to start adding that in. Yeah. Yeah, wonderful, wonderful. Jennifer, thank you so much for being a part of my Money Memoir series. It's an honor to just begin to hear some of your stories. I, there's so much more that I know we could, you know, just uncover, go into, and it's just been a complete honor um, to have you share some of your narratives and stories with us. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to share. Thank you for joining me with this Money Memoir interview. I really hope you found something here to take with you whether it was a lesson, some inspiration, or even just a little grace for yourself and where you are in your money journey. If you're feeling called to wade deeper here, please pack your financial goals, soul deep aspirations, and grab your favorite person. The Art of Money is a holistic framework that integrates money healing, money practices, and money maps, and blends therapeutic, body-based practices with real-life tools that we all need to create healthy, sustainable change in our money lives. So if you'd like to begin your money healing journey with the art of money today, learn more at barrytesler.com.